Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Engendered, the show that features stories that explore the systems, practices, and policies that enable gender-based violence and oppression and the solutions to end it. We use gender as a lens to understand power and oppression, teach feminism, and decolonize hearts and minds one story at a time. Engendered is sponsored by Can Do It, spelled K-A-N-D-U-I-T, and I'm your host, Terry Yuan. Our guest today is LeBaron Myers, President and Chief Business Officer of Not Me, the first mobile solution to offer a transparent, safe, and simple way to report workplace misconduct. The company's mission is to bridge the gap between employer and employee by empowering everyone to report and address workplace misconduct they've experienced or witnessed with the eventual goal of prevention. LeBaron speaks with us today about Not Me, workplace harassment and discrimination, and how her company intends to create a culture of accountability in every workplace. Welcome, LeBaron. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I want to start with the name of the company, Not Me. What's the story behind it and how and why it was formed? So the the name Not Me, um, it's a strong name, and it came from our founder. Um, our, our founder is a lifetime lawyer, uh, employment lawyer, and has been defending companies for years and watching the issues that are happening in the workplace. And when the Me Too movement happened, he was in the airplane flying back from the East Coast, and he, he was reading about it. He was like, my God, these are really wealthy, famous, powerful women who are going through this. So if that's the case, how is this going to be for my daughter or just the everyday person? And so he said, you know, it's very powerful to see these women coming together saying me too, in terms of it's inspiring to see them speak up. But the goal is to not have more me too. The goal is to have not me. What problem is it seeking to address? Is it just workplace harassment and discrimination? Or is there a bigger cultural shift that you're hoping you can make? So it's addressing all of workplace misconduct. Um, I think that Me Too obviously has really put the spotlight on sexual harassment, but all of the issues that are happening in the workplace that make it unsafe are all causing the same or similar fallout and unfair things for employees and things that are causing a lack of success for employers. So it all needs to be addressed. How big is the problem? (laughs) I don't think we know yet. I think that's what Me Too did. I think it shed a light on something that we all knew. I mean, especially women, but obviously workplace harassment and workplace misconduct can happen to anyone. We all knew it was there, but I think people have been surprised by how many people have come out with Me Too. And similarly, I think there's tons of things in the closet that still have yet to be uprooted and made public that are happening systematically across workplace environment. And how did you become involved? So I was on a, a panel, a women in tech panel in Santa Cruz, and our founder, Ariel, was uh, attending. And the conversation was, um, it got into a lot of different things. It was right after the most recent elections, and it got political, and it got a little charged and a little heated. And it was important for the conversation to have all different points of view recognized and represented because I'll I'll give you a little 
background on it is that it was we were supposed to be talking about the the importance of women's voices in the workplace being equal at the table and yet because there was it's such a liberal place santa cruz um it's very popular right now to or maybe overly accepted to start making huge generalizations or even some sort of bashing and stereotyping of people who are on the Republican side. And within this conversation, I, I just kind of really wanted to bring everyone's awareness to the fact that what we're talking about in all of these conversations is making sure that everyone has a voice at the table, even if you don't agree with them. And so I didn't want us to be saying in one aspect that, hey, let's talk about women and men at the table in, in the workplace and in technology and that giving everyone an equal side. But then politically, it felt a bit hypocritical that we were somewhat bashing one side when everyone, again, has a voice and a right. So I was being that voice within the panel. And Ariel immediately approached me afterwards and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you because I'm working on something that's very important. And there's lots of different opinions. There's lots of different sides to this story. And yet we're all trying to find a common solution. And I need someone who can put themselves in other people's shoes and have that type of conversation calmly so that we can actually get somewhere. And so when he and I started talking literally the day after, and I started consulting, and I was consulting for various companies at the time, but I kept putting all of my time and energy into this one. And finally, you know, he and I, I loved working with him. I really am passionate about the team and what we're doing. And I went full time because my heart was in it. it. It matters. It's timely. And it's everywhere right now. It's not just technology. It's not just one sector. It's not even just the workplace. Um, but it's, it's just, it's time. And I, and I think that the Me Too movement has really highlighted that it is time for a massive change. And not me is saying, look, no more me twos. We want people to be able to say, not me. Not me, I'm not gonna let it happen to me without saying something. Not me, I'm not gonna witness it without saying something. Not me, I'm not gonna be an employer that sweeps it under the rug. And not me, I'm not gonna have, on the rare occasion, my, my entire reputation go down if I haven't done something and someone's made an allegation. Because we're also in that environment right now where sometimes things are being said and extreme measures happen because People are just afraid to make a wrong move right now. So we're trying to really bring reason back to a conversation that's become charged. I keep using that word charged. You're right. Um, yeah. it, it is very, I guess, charged, although I wouldn't necessarily choose that word. That almost equivocates. Both sides um, have equally valid uh, positions. And I think that when you're talking about employers and employees, there's a very clear hierarchy of who has power, who has money, who has influence over the individuals that they've hired and they can um, at will dismiss. And and so uh, let's talk about the actual app itself. Can you walk us through, can you walk us through a typical scenario of workplace misconduct that could happen in a use case where a target is, has decided to download the app, what happens next? Sure. I did, before, I did want to address one thing you just said because I thought it was really interesting and pertinent about the fact that charged being, wait, are you saying that both have equal power in the situation? And I totally agree with you. Employers have more power currently in that situation. When I say the topic of charged, I think um, a lot of what we're seeing sometimes is that um, we have a lot of 
actual great strong male advocates in this fight that we're that we're in right now and sometimes the charge can become gender based between one and the other and silence some of the male advocates that we have and so we that's part of what we want to do too meaning that there's a lot of passion behind it regardless of what side that you sit on and we just want to make sure that um that that passion is like channeled in a way where everybody who is an advocate is is able to come together on it um so i just wanted to speak to that point um but yes i would love to get into how what we're doing how it works on like a daily basis there's obviously a spectrum of you know when you say what's a common thing that could happen I think the reality is that majority of the egregious things that happen don't happen overnight. They don't go from zero to 60. Um, when something awful has happened, there's usually been some precursors and indicators. And that's one of the goals of the app is that right now, people typically either have to go to their HR or pick up the phone and call a hotline, having no idea who's on the other end, their end of the line, what their tone is, what their interests, what their thoughts are. And so because the act of reporting currently is uncomfortable, to say the least, and can sometimes be lengthy and worse, often people don't go until something's egregious because it's already so hard to do it. But what our goal of what we're doing is that people start reporting even the microaggressions or the smaller behavior that just seems off in order to prevent the big ones. But again, to prevent, I mean, in order for people to report that, it's got to be super easy. So our entire product, the focus of it and the goal was to be as easy and as simple as possible for people to report. And we, we worked with some of the top researchers and psychologists and really wanted to make sure that when someone had gone some, through something traumatic or just something that made them uneasy, how can we make this easy for them to step up and say something? So... Like I was saying, if it often starts with something small and then leads to something egregious, if it's something small, it could just be that someone, you know, let's say Bob is a hugger. Hugging is an interesting thing. Some people are, love hugging. And if somebody welcomes a hug and you're both huggers, that's fine. But some people don't. And maybe you have a weekly meeting. And at the end of it, you're always getting a hug from Bob. And you don't want Bob to hug you. You think Bob's the great head of sales. You think he's, you're learning a ton from him. You don't want him fired. You don't want him in trouble. But you don't want him to hug you. And you might be uncomfortable saying something like that. And if that were to happen, you could pull out your app, whether you are at work, in the bathroom, at home on the couch with you know, your partner, wherever you're most comfortable. And in less than three minutes, you could make a report just letting your employer know that this is a, you know, an act, a type of behavior that you're uncomfortable with. And so you would go through all of the necessary questions, um, and, and be able to either at the end of that, save it or submit it, which is also really important because maybe it just happens once and you're like, oh, I, I don't, I'd rather not hug him. And then next week it happens again. And then next week it happens again. And each time you're, you're logging it and you're saving it. And then maybe that fourth time, it's a long lingering hug and it starts to be something more than that. And you're like, no, I knew this wasn't right. And I'm not comfortable. Now you can go ahead and submit anything that has just happened and and have it all documented there. And again, that, that it might just be at the end of the day that what you want is the hugging to stop, right? But it also might be some precursor to some activity that Bob is doing with you or someone else or many more later. 
So it's hard to know. There's no one size fits all. But if you can start reporting those things earlier on in the process, the goal is to prevent the egregious escalated behavior later on. So to be clear, you said you could save without submitting. And if you choose to submit later, does the save, uh, the, the previous posts that were saved, is there a timestamp to, to confirm that they were created at that time and date? Yes, there's a timestamp on everything. Okay, so if you made an edit to it, it'll show all of those as well. Yes, it's yes. And so once and once you you can make any changes to your report until you're ready to submit. Once you have submitted it, there's no changes that can be made. However, there's the ability within the app to communicate with whomever is on the the dashboard side, meaning if your employer has their HR team on the dashboard, even if you report it anonymously, Let's say you gave your report, and one of the questions in the report is, were there any witnesses? And then it'll ask if you'll share the names. And let's say you said, yes, there's witnesses, but I'm not comfortable sharing the names. And then later that day, you went and talked to your friends that were at the meeting, and you said, gosh, I just can't stand, you know, in this case, you know, Bob left this lingering hug, and he kind of slid his hand down. And let's say your friend Sarah says, the same thing happened, and I saw it happen with you. And she says, I'm okay with you sharing my name. I'm not, I don't want this to happen anymore, and I'm okay with that. You could then go back into the report, and you can talk to your whoever's on the dashboard, the employer side, whether it be anonymous or not, and share whatever else you want to, or if you have questions, or in this instance, you could say, hey, I know I said I'm not ready to come forward with my name or someone else's, however... Um, I've spoken with someone else, and we, we've both experienced the same thing, and here's who we are. Whatever that may be, whatever that information and dialogue is, to whatever level of comfort you have, you can continue that after you submit it. Is your customer, it's a B2B app then, and your customer are the employers, and employees don't have access to it unless their employer signs up for it? No. Our, it is primary, it's a B2C and a B2B. So anyone anywhere right now can use our app, and we are getting reports. So we have people who are making reports whose employers are not not me employers. So the instances I was giving you is if they're employee, if they work for a company that is also a not me employer, and that is the goal when we are working hand in hand with the employers, so that we're all working toward the solution. But right now, anyone anywhere could make the a report. And we contact any person who reaches out to us to see what it is that they need. Some people just want to understand is what they're dealing with harassment or discrimination or whatever the definition may be. Some people want to understand what their legal rights are. Some people, most people just want the behavior to stop and aren't comfortable with the means they have at their employer of how to go about reporting it. And sometimes we ask them, are you comfortable with us going forward to your HR, even if we don't use your name? In which case, we can reach out to the employer and say, look, there is a situation happening. Um, we can't, you know, and we honor, obviously, the, the privacy of the, the person who's reported. But what we're really trying to do is serve as the bridge between the employee and the employer. So if someone submitted a claim, I guess, in some ways, how, what, would you, what do you call it? A report. A we report. A okay. Report. If someone submits a report to not me and you said, you get back to them. Is this by phone or email? Both. We'll reach out by email because that's what we have initially. But sometimes people will give us their phone number. There's no cookie cutter answer for how we respond to when people reach out because there's, as you can imagine, a varying degree of what they're reaching out about and what they're reaching out for. 
Um, similarly, when people make a report, one of the questions that we ask is, what, you know, what is their desired outcome? And the majority of the time, people just want the behavior to stop. Sometimes, of course, there's a, you know, there's a small percentage of people who are who want, you know, to to take some sort of legal action or whatever it may be. But again, until we reach out and speak with that person via email or via the phone, we just want to be as helpful as we can according to what it is that they need. The people who are responding, are they lawyers on staff? Yes. Well, it depends. Um, in in the, the initial, we have very few people who have access to that and in, in keeping everything incredibly secure and confidential. Um, and then if, if it requires a, they require a, a legal opinion, then yes, we have, so we have a network of lawyers and psychologists and people that we can work with if someone's in need of that. And so I would think that for most people, they don't have that much familiarity or access to employment law and what you might do proactively to protect yourself in situations where you think that there might be workplace misconduct or you feel unsafe. Um, and so how does the, the person on the not me side assess if this person needs to be transferred to an attorney on staff to then provide that guidance? Or do you provide that guidance? Yeah, again, it totally depends on on what it is that they're looking for. If they need legal guidance, we absolutely have that. I mean, our founder, as I was saying, works, you know, as an employment lawyer for years and therefore has a really strong network of employee uh, of lawyers who defend both employers and employees. So having the expertise on on both sides. But sometimes people just want more of like a counseling or a psychology or psychologist just about either what has happened. So it really depends what the situation is and what they're looking for. And then to what you brought up initially, a lot of people, depends what they know and have access to and what they don't. And many people, most people don't have access to, you know, a first degree person who happens to be an employment lawyer. Um, but many people don't know someone who's a therapist or a psychologist. So it really, it really depends what the situation is and what they're looking for. I see. And have there been any scenarios where you don't have Uh, a a company, an employer as a client, and the employee has asked that you reach out to their HR? Yes. It's not that they've asked for that. It's that after we've spoken with them, they've become comfortable with that and been and realized that they can be super helpful in doing that. Because again, this goes back to what we have is kind of, uh, you know, a system of silence in a lot of ways, and for many times, good reason. Um, So in, in creating what we've created, what we're trying to do is really give people the ability to speak up without being in harm's way. So if we can, you know, keep them anonymous and have us be the ones letting the employer know, look, there is an issue that is happening and it lies in this type of camp. Um, obviously, we can work with you guys to uproot some of these more, but we, we are, our hope and our, our attempt each time is to give the employers, you know, the option to do the right thing and to address what needs to be addressed. How has that worked out so far for the employers you've reached out to? It's it's a mix. It's and that's where things get touchy. Um, some people are really open to the fact that look, we know there's been issues for a long time, and great, someone is going to be helpful in a way that brings technology and together so that we can really you know work at this intersection of technology and humanity, and they get it. Sometimes people are more protective or defensive and afraid of something being external. 
and we just have to, you know, talk them through and educate what we do and what we don't do. Um, so it, it's again, a spectrum of it's, it's certainly not a cookie cutter answer. Is it too early to tell whether the reporting has led to any form of retaliation? Or do you think that by reaching out, that knowing that there's this third party technology vendor who has this area of expertise, that if there were to be retaliation, should they actually be able to identify who reported, there would be consequences and it makes them, it becomes a deterrent for them? Yeah, I, I would say both of what you said. So far, no, we haven't had uh, an instance that we've seen of direct retaliation and it's early. Um, you know, a, a big goal of getting employers to become not me employers is that it would show their employees, we this is what we want. We want the same thing you do and we're going to help work work toward that. And so we're not going to retaliate for you to report. That's why we're making it easier for you to do so. But at the same time, it's hard to say that, you know, we obviously where our job stops and where their starts is, is on the response to things. Um, but we have yet to see anyone retaliate. And I think it's because of a lot of the questions you've asked here, the timestamp, the documenting, um, the third party. So it's, it's making, obviously retaliation is illegal, has been and will be, but it, it makes it harder, I think, to get away with. Mm-hmm. In a scenario where multiple employees are reporting anonymously about the same person and not me is aware of that, what are your thoughts about how you might use that data to connect these people together to create a stronger case should they need to look towards litigation, for example? So we haven't uh, faced that on our individual reporting side, on the B2C side. On the B2B side, that's a big part of the dashboard for the employers so that it's very clear who has been reported multiple times, if there's you know someone who is a repeat offender. Um, there's all types of things in the back, and we use AI technology that will track reports every single report that comes in is scored and then it's rescored based on every report that comes in after that um, in order to really prioritize for the employers what they need to be looking at most urgently. So that is one of the things that would absolutely be tracked and that is if you have a repeat offender. Speaking of repeat offenders, if an employer were not to take action on a repeat offender and let's say the targets end up leaving the company as the resolution. Um, And then the repeat offender either stays at the same company or moves to a different company later and gets more reports about the same person. How might not me use that information to strengthen the case for accountability? It's a good question. It has not yet happened yet. We have not seen someone be dismissed and then go to another company uh, and have the issue happen again. Um, And we are early on, but uh, so it's a great question, but the, but the goal of the technology on the employer's side is for them to be able to prevent things from happening. So things that are, um, things that are flagged in one company, easy to, um, easy to keep from escalating to multiple more offenders if you already have uh, quite a few. But once they go to another company, 
are you basically asking whether do they get a clean slate or is there a reputation that follows them? And it's it's a good question. We haven't had it happen yet. Yeah, I, I was thinking as I was uh, reviewing your website and thinking about the features that you offer, it's something that has so much applicability to so many different sectors. Um, you know, looking at law enforcement, for example, I've had many guests on my show who have address the systemic gaps in law enforcement with, rega- with regard to data. And so someone might have an order of protection against them. Um, and it may have been settled or dropped, um, and or or it may be, you know, it, it actually um, continued on, but because of jurisdiction, you know, states don't share that data, or mm-hmm. because um, it might have been a civil order of protection and not a criminal one. There's no connection between the civil and criminal databases. They're not able to leverage that. And I feel like what you're offering provides, you know, the solution to so many of these data gaps that the reason people keep getting away with what they're getting away with is that potentially future employers or future partners aren't aware of the history of someone because they weren't held accountable. And having the ability to have that aggregate data around a particular repeat offender, as you say, can do so much in terms of deterrence and accountability. And I'm really hoping that you can use that um, that privilege in a way, that opportunity to create additional features and functionality that can actually be used in those ways. Yeah, because the whole point of it is prevention. So we certainly don't want people to be able to just circulate the system and and do wrong here and then hop to the next spot and hop to the next spot. And yet we also have to honor some of the laws you referenced and others that I'm not an expert in, although Ariel, our founder, is um, with, with what can be taken from one place of occupation to the next. Um, so, like I said, very good question. <laughs> tell, tell me how your app differs from the competitors in your space. Sure. So, I think um, there's not a lot of, I, I haven't seen any direct competitors per se. I think um, the majority of companies uh, that we are talking to what they have in place is their HR department and the preferences that people come and speak face to face. And their preference is that people not be anonymous, which I understand. It makes it easier for them to get to the root of the problem quickly. However, the reality is that a lot of people don't trust HR right now and see that HR is being paid to protect the company, which in some ways is the case. And, and yet you also have some really great people in HR who are trying to do the right thing. So we we think this can be a a great tool for them. And then the other thing that came up, you know, I think years ago was the hotline and people thought, great, this is our answer to anonymity. But um, again, when you call someone on the phone, one of the reasons people don't do this is the pain of saying their story over again. And, and to whom is that person on the other line? Are they having a good day, a bad day? Is their voice one that is, caring and compassionate or just jotting down your notes and moving on to the next question. Um, and so those are the, the primary quote unquote competitors that exist today. Yes. There's some new things coming out. Um, like I said, we haven't seen anything quite like ours yet. Um, but anybody who's working on the same goal, we, we applaud that. Um, it's, it's, 
we're all on the same mission. Uh, but I do think that there's a few things that distinguishes what we're doing compared to some others. A, a big one of that being who who makes up our team. Um, and I think Ariel, our founders story and history and expertise and who he's brought together on his advisory board and who he's consulted in in making the product um what it is today is is a really big thing and then the frankly the ai technology when it comes to some of the huge um places of work and not just places of work i mean there's as you talked about the the police system there's we've worked with firefighters there's universities. I mean, this makes sense in a lot of different places, but um, one of the issues that they tell us they have is when, it, when our population is this big, if there's areas of high frequency that are reported, those are easy to catch and nail down. But when it's low frequency and high impact, something that's awful but not happening that often, if it's one of hundreds of reports that's about you know your team reading through each of these reports, then deciding where there's overlap, then deciding what the priority is, all of these things that are human capital and human time while potentially the same act is happening again and again. So they're having a hard time with the time and tackling it. And the AI technology for us really helps to like centralize, organize, and prioritize the data so that employers can more quickly take care of the issues that they need to before they escalate to more egregious acts, or if they already are egregious, really nip those in the bud quickly. You mentioned earlier the uh, app, Not Me, is targeted towards both the B2B and the B2C market, so both employers and targets. I'm just thinking about other scenarios like, for example, college campuses where you have um, Title IX violations and if, if, there, if there were an app that could help and address both groups. I'm having a hard time reconciling that an app can serve both constituents um, without one side either exploiting it or weaponizing it against the other. So I could see, like, let's say this was in a college scenario, um, someone who may have committed sexual assault as a preemptive, that person goes into the, you know, goes into an app, not yours, and puts some note about how there was consensual sexual um, activity. And then when the person who may be a victim of sexual assault goes in, then it kind of contradicts that. And so I'm wondering, is there any way that your app can be used against and, and be harmful to the target by the employer? Besides just overt retaliation, of course. Sure, not not that we've seen so far, but I also think that you know we have. This is the you know the challenge of technology. Um, it can do great things, and then if it's misused or abused, it can be harmful. Um, so while we haven't seen that yet, I think our 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 big focus has been on making sure that there's not um, retaliation used. The scenario you just used about uh, some other technology that they're, you know, that they're using and then combining that with the, you know, assuming that someone's going to use ours. Um, I think the best answer to that is honestly everyone taking part, meaning there's so many people who have endured something that is personally awful to them. 
and we already don't hear a lot of those, as you know, right? Um, but there is so many people who have witnessed something they knew was not right. They heard that was not right. They sensed or something that was not right and have used this, um, I don't want to call it an excuse, but I, and sometimes it is this like, it's not my business. And so one of our big, big pushes is please report it if it's happened to you or if you've seen it or if you've been a party to and heard about whatever it may be. So you can, you can report anonymously or using your name, you can report as someone who's been the recipient of misconduct or if you've witnessed it. So I, I answer that your question with that, meaning that if anyone else were to see that, then, then hopefully there might even be multiple reports toward it. Now, if it's sexual assault and it's, you know, one person's word versus another and someone, you know, someone else went in and said consensual and someone else came to us and said not. We have yet to see that case happen, but, um, but hopefully in light of potentially other predictive behavior uh, that that person might have already been involved in with other people, if they already have a history of, if there's already been reports of, that's going to help a lot to the person who just went through something when, when all they know is that one occurrence with the offender, but come to find out three other people on campus or at work or whatever it may be have also said, I went through something that was uncomfortable or that was wrong um, and forced. Hmm. And what's been the reception so far to your app? Are there any industries that are um, disproportionately being represented and more interested in proactively reaching out over others? I think um, the, I think the technology sector is more open to technology. Um, some of the more conservative, old-school type industries um, are a bit more protective of this type of information, which is understandable. Um, you know, a lot of it's about, like, IT security and, you know, and that we can secure their, their mind around because our entire product was built around security. We know how sensitive this information is. And if we're trying to prevent these awful acts, then we definitely built it to make sure that those details that someone entrusts us with are not going to get elsewhere. Um, but some, the answer is we're talking to people across all different industries. I do think the technology side and the adoption and the understanding of how helpful the AI can be for saving time and money and energy is more easily adopted by the tech sector, and I think some of the companies that you're seeing in the news about this, um, often the generation of millennials who are no longer standing for the quote-unquote old-school way of things being done. So if, you know, when we're meeting with, we're meeting with one of two types of companies, either a company that has had something already been made public, and they're trying to rebuild their trust and their credibility with their employees and with the public, or a company that proactively realizes that it only takes, you know, one thing that they miss and something like that to go down that could really hurt, first and foremost, their employees is what we hope that their priority is, but also their brand reputation and everything else. So it's not specific to a sector, but I do think the more technology, uh, the more tech focused and more tech evolved companies uh, are more quick to, to get it and to adopt it. And these are small startups as well as bigger, more established companies? Yes, we haven't had a startup per se. Um, but yes, they've, there's 
any size. It, it works with any size company. Okay, because I'm. I was just thinking that with startups, there's more risk, <laughs> and uh, both both for the employer as well as the employee. Because if you have a handful of people and one person's reporting, it's not that hard to do a process of elimination, figure out who might be the person. Um, on sure. the other hand, yeah, you know, there's a greater risk because there's not the formalized set of practices that a, a larger um, HR company would be able to manage. Exactly. And they have to pick and choose where they're putting their budget in terms of what matters most for up-leveling their culture and for retention and for recruiting and what matters most to people of why they're choosing. And so when they can't necessarily give you, you know, an on-site gym and pay for your dry cleaning, they're at the very least going to make sure that what you have is a safe, you know, a healthy environment in that regard. Mm. So, so yes, so some of the smaller companies absolutely see this as this makes complete sense for us to have. Um, and then the larger ones, it's again, it goes back to that example I was giving, just the need of the amount of reports and things that they get and how do they prioritize this data and centralize it when it's currently coming into all these different individuals and in different reports and such. It's just a much better, smoother, cleaner system for them to tackle the issue. What are some of the features and functionality that are on the product roadmap? Coming down the product roadmap, we've put in so much already. A, a lot of them are things that we're getting from clients um, that are seemingly, they would be seemingly small to, to share and report here. But again, it's just feedback from our clients of what would be helpful to them. I think in terms of the, the some of the bigger things coming would be stepping into some of these other realms. Right now, we are very focused on workplace misconduct um, but as we've spoken about some of them and there are other places where just reporting and alerting issues early on to prevent awful things happening later, um, that can go into, to various realms. I, um, in preparing for this discussion, I was thinking about other sectors that I would love you to consider penetrating into and leverage your technology for, because especially um, government um, sectors, because there are federal laws with regard to obviously discrimination um, for protected categories and classes. And um, one of them I, I was thinking about, because so many of our divorce and custody issues for our podcast addressed systemic either misconduct or bias um, mainly gender bias in family courts. A lot of our guests talked about that, talked about the research behind it. Um, there was recently research that was done by our guest Joan Meyer um, from the organization DV Leap in D.C. Um, that is actually being used by Maryland to open a working group to study the um, the dynamics and in t- child custody cases where there's domestic violence and child abuse claims. And so I'm wondering if there are either plans or you might consider making plans to adapt your technology to different f- forums that could benefit from it, where litigants, for example, might be able to share a report about how they were treated or lawyers for litigants. Maybe that'll give more credibility. And as these kinds of data points add up, potentially some organization, whether it's research or if, if there's a, uh, a larger entity that wants to review its practices, might want to reach out and get the data in a 
um, de-identified form. Would you be open to that? I mean, I think we're open to anything where this empowers people to prevent wrongful acts happening to them again. I think we're open to the conversation. Um, and we, as you know, I haven't, we hadn't thought of that one specifically, but it, we are open to it in any way. And one of the things that we made sure of when we created this, the app is completely customizable as it stands now. So even when we sit down our first meeting with a new client is to customize these questions so that they are particular to their company and what's going on. Meaning, you know, we've talked to entertainment companies and they say, well, we've got a production set over here. We've got this show over here. And then we've talked to hotels who say we've got our hotel rooms, but we've got the, the conference room or the lobby. Or So we're customizing the app anyway, as it is for each employer. And we've worked with firefighters because there's been a major issue with some things that have happened in the firefighting community um, that that we have worked with some women firefighters who are really uh, helped us to customize a questionnaire for, for them for some things that they've faced. And so any place, whether it be the example you just gave or somewhere else, where what, what the goal is to find out early and to stop awful things from happening to people, we're open to those conversations. Great. So let's move on to some big news items that have come up in the past month or so, and these are more systemic issues. I wanted to just bring them up because it it literally just earlier this morning, I heard multiple stories about them and there was an update. Um, One of them is, you might have heard, about a month ago, there was a story about a Facebook group where law enforcement officers who are members of extremist groups were coming together and sharing um, very disturbing, sexist, racist, homophobic, Islamophobic kinds of um, articles, memes, some of them threats, um, but just sort of general giddiness at the idea of exploitation over certain groups of people. And then the other one is the Customs and Border Patrol. There was just an update today about how there was a second, not just one, but there are two Facebook groups now, secret Facebook groups, where uh, members of that agency were coming together and doing similar things to the police group. And I'm wondering, you know, given that there are certain, it appears that there are certain cultures where misconduct in the workplace is not only overlooked, but potentially even encouraged, at least with the, the police group, I have to say, that group uh, with the um, custom, Customs and Border Patrol agent uh, group, that one, the agency knew about three years ago. So how can an app like Not Me address systemic cultures of misconduct and toxicity? Well, again, it's people taking part. And I don't mean to be redundant, but I think it's, there is some, what I'm about to say is similar to what I've said before. And that is that if something has happened to you, of course, it's always easier for someone else to say this, right? You've gone through it. Do you want to relive it? But the question is not just, do you want to relive it? Because it could happen again um, if you don't speak up, but it could happen to someone else if you don't speak up. And then other people who witness this, I mean, the examples you just gave, those are those are pretty like audacious and loud people about what they're doing. There's no way that there's no one else in their life that has 
that is close to them in any capacity that hasn't seen any inkling of this already. And so part of this is stepping away from this excuse of, oh, I don't think it's my business. It didn't happen directly to me. Maybe I misread that. Maybe I misinterpreted. I know I saw that and it didn't appear right, but no, like report it anyway, report it. Open up your phone and in less than three minutes, report it. Because if you start to see these patterns and these, this is the type of thing that we can prevent something awful. I mean, we've seen and heard a lot of things in the news at the, only at their points of escalation, only at their points of severe tragedy. And almost every time there will be, well, we did see this on their Facebook. We did see these things. I did know, you know, the, the, the fellow students or the fellow coworkers, I did sense this or notice that this was wrong, but there is this high bar currently to reporting. It's this like high level of like, it's so uncomfortable to report that it's got to be that bad for me to actually do it. And we're saying flip that on its head. Let's make it so easy that there is no excuse to not take out your phone, make a quick report and go on with your day. Because those patterns of activity about those individuals who are escalating will come to our attention earlier and prevent hopefully some of the things that we're seeing. Is there any plan to potentially share data around quote unquote success stories with employers where they were able to proactively take action so that uh, people who come to the app or come to your website might be able to be reassured that employers are actually using this to their benefit. Sure. So, and that's where it's, um, a lot of that is up to the employers, how they want to do it, but success stories, people often want to share, right? And I think that the, the fact that what they're being able to, to collect with what we're doing is a lot of data and a lot of metrics and a lot of analytics that makes it easy for them to report, uh, on the fact that there's been a huge decrease in issues that maybe before there had been a spike in, um, that's the type of thing that, you know, within each of the not me employers, they can decide how to do that. Now we can anonymize the data and, and share some things. Um, but even that we want a longer period of time at this point to do that. Uh, but, but yes, kind of the, the status of when someone becomes a not me employer, where whatever issues they're having at that point in time to what it is a year later, two years later, five years down the road, um, that's, that's, those are the kind of success stories we all want to hear. So getting back to your mission. Although I'll say this, this is interesting about this. Ariel has said from the beginning of time of, of this product, his goal is that it does not get used in some ways, because the thought being that if it becomes that easy for everyone to report in the beginning, um, that that in itself becomes a deterrent of some behavior, uh, and that the longer and more that people realize that everyone has this power in their own hands, the more it will hopefully crowdsource and course correct some of the actions that are happening. Of course, you're always going to have some absolutely conscious power abusers out there who are going to step out of line. Um, but but it, 
it's somewhat ironic to say that like right now we want everyone to use this so that at some point in time it doesn't need to be used you know that's right. that's kind of the goal right. well i i was just thinking back to your mission to bridge the gap between employer and employee by empowering everyone to report and so there's no explicit language here about ending workplace discrimination am i in, am i correctly interpreting that mission? It's just to empower reporting, or do you actually have an additional goal of hoping, because you were saying you, you, Ariel didn't, you know, wants it to be eventually irrelevant for people to need to use the app. Therefore, it's... Yes, our goal is to have workplace safe for everyone. That, that is our goal. But our goal is not just, and even, you know, what we say is it's not just a reporting. The whole point of it is prevention. So that's, that's the major goal. Let's like nip things in the bud, prevent egregious things from happening by reporting them early on. Getting back then to the two scenarios I provided about the law enforcement and the Customs and Border Patrol agents um, in Facebook, mm-hmm. if you had a scenario where there were multiple people reporting anonymously that they felt unsafe at work and that their workplace environment was discriminatory towards them. At some point, would it be in not me's role to take that information and then give it to a third party, let's say the EEOC or some oversight organization for these agencies, if you see that there's no action being taken by these employers? Yes. So we give, uh, you know, the, the, we give the employers the, uh, the opportunity to do the right thing. But if, they, if there's an obvious uh, refusal or retaliation or um, just continued misconduct uh, and completely ignoring what their employees are saying to, to us and to them, then yes, we'll, we will take that case on. Okay. We ha- we'll, we'll refer that case. That's amazing. I'm happy to hear that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of every interview, I ask my guests a series of questions that I've adapted from inside the actor's studio. Okay. And I want to ask you, as a first question, what is at stake in the struggle to end gender-based violence and oppression? What is at stake? I will say Personally, I have a very varied career in different sectors until now. And two and a half years ago, I had a little girl. And I, I think about, I changed everything. And I think about how many things in my life I just accepted because I knew that was quote unquote the way things were. And, and I have not even come close to what, you know, some people have gone through truly awful uh, things. But the fact that right now specifically, there is such a wave of, of voices that are speaking up and being heard um, and, and making a difference to, to not continue this momentum, to miss this opportunity um, is to potentially set, not, not just have things stagnant, but actually set them back, um, make things worse because we've started the conversation. 
And I think there are some people who will be retaliatory and there are some people who will be revengeful. And the only way for the momentum and the wave to continue is for people to truly continue to speak up and continue to make a difference. And if we don't, it's not just to stay stagnant. I actually think it can make it worse um, for that next generation, but it's not the way I think we're going. I don't think there is a quieting or a calming of this wave and this voice and this movement toward better equality for everyone, but certainly still more in particular for some groups than others. And that's where I think there's a ton more to be done. What gives you hope? My daughter, um, the next generation, um, and and the previous generation, actually, um, meaning I have a grandmother who is, um, who is 97 and on hospice and has lived a life and has seen a lot. And even in this moment, she recognizes, and as hard it is, as it is for her, will acknowledge sometimes her missteps, her, her beliefs that weren't fair or weren't kind. And to see that evolution at the very end of someone's life and to see the joy and hope and courage of the next, I have a lot of hope. I think there's a lot of different people from all different walks of life teaching us so much right now, and I love it. And final question, what can we do more of, less of, start or stop to end gender-based violence and oppression? More of, speak up. Speak up and speak up earlier. Less of, we can, I really think we need to, um, this is a hard one, uh, I think, for a lot of people, but I think we have to catch ourselves on all generalizations that we make. I think there are some things that we, we, no matter who you are, there are some groups that we all have certain prejudices about, and I think we have to check those. And I say that in the realm of, um, right now, there's more acceptance around generalities and stereotypes of males and of white males. And I don't think, I think we have to be careful of that, because I think we have advocates in all different ages, genders, ethnicities, religions. And so... I think we need to um, less of any type of generalization that would potentially quiet an advocate. And what we need to start doing is speaking up earlier and unapologetically. And that would be my stop. Stop apologizing for speaking up and stop apologizing for making people uncomfortable, meaning saying something that challenges authority or challenges the norm. That's okay. LeBaron Myers from Not Me, thank you so much for joining our show today. Thank you, Terry. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the work you do. It's very important. Thanks for listening to this episode of Engendered. The show is sponsored by CanDoIt Q&A, a peer-based knowledge platform that connects social service providers in advice, community, and learning. You can join CanDoIt Q&A for free at qna.kanduit.com. I'd love to get your feedback and hear any questions or suggestions you may have for the show. Please email us at engenderedpodcast at gmail.com with your questions.